Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, Young and the Restless favorite Melody Thomas Scott has a new memoir that will hit stands on August 18th. It's called Always Young and Restless, and it chronicles what turns out to be a very surprising, shocking, and incredible life that she's had. So I read the book in one sitting, and I think you'll recall that I was pretty blown away when I was done. And you know, neither one of us has ever covered Young and the Restless. It's not as though I've interviewed Melody a lot or you have either. So I I remember when she did the podcast with us, we were like so delighted by her. She was funny. She was open. She had great stories, but I never could have imagined the road that she traveled to Genoa City. So she writes about her childhood, which was pretty tough. Um, Her mother had her when she was 16. So Melody was raised by her grandmother, who was a hoarder. And as it turns out, you know, emotionally abusive to Melody, um, she does not spare any details when discussing what went on in the house she grew up in. Um, But, you know, she also talks about being a child actress. She worked with Alfred Hitchcock as a child. She worked with John Wayne, Kirk Douglas, later Robin Williams. She turned down a role in Animal House because it required nudity. She was at the, like, later callbacks to play Marta in The Sound of Music and Marsha on The Brady Bunch. I mean, there was, like, so much information. And then there's her Y&R journey. So bottom line, there is a lot in there and I highly recommend the Yeah, I hope it's a huge success for her. And I am still trying to entice you to meet me for like a socially distant handoff where I give uh, Maurice Bernard's memoir to you and you give Melody's memoir to me. <laughs> we have to do that. <laughs> anyway, if you are marking your calendar for August 18th for the release of Melody's book, that's also a great day to set your DVR for days as that will mark J. Kenneth Johnson's re-entrance into Salem as Phillips. So we've been waiting for this for a while, and I was excited to read his thoughts about it in our new issue. Oh, yeah, I think it's going to be great. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, also in the new issue, we have a fun section about characters who never caught on. So sadly, it wasn't that hard of a list to make. (laughs) Um, You know, it's kind of interesting how the clunkers like really stand out. Um, You know, I feel like usually from the get go, you kind of know if a character is or isn't long for a show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on paper, sometimes you totally get why the writers thought it was a good idea, but for various reasons, whether it's a poorly executed introduction or maybe the connection to the canvas isn't good, or maybe it's just not the right fit, you know, things just don't work out. Um, I remember one of the more historical fizzles that stands out to me is Tangi on Guiding Light. I can remember how excited I was that Marcy Walker was joining the show. I mean, I loved her and all my children, and of course, Santa Barbara. But Tangie just did not work, and Marcy did not last long in Springfield. 
Yeah, and Marcy was pretty candid about it, uh, if memory serves. You know, she observed in interviews that the show sort of valued the headline grab of, you know, Marcy Walker to Guiding Light over the actual development of the character she played. And the results, you know, spoke for themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sort of similarly, All My Children snapped up Beth Ellers, one of the biggest stars of Guiding Light, as Harley, and brought her on as Taylor, a character that suffered the terrible soap opera fate of being so insignificant that she was just like never mentioned again, as opposed to getting a true send off. So I think a theme that emerged in the section we ended up with was that in many cases, characters who didn't catch on were played by proven stars of the genre, but the writing wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And then some, I think, just had um, the cards stacked up against them, like Marina Toscano on Days of Our Lives. There was like absolutely not a single Days fan who wanted to find out that Steve had a wife before Kayla. You know (laughs) what I mean? Yeah. Uh, And the fans certainly can't be blamed for not giving Marina a chance. They were like, what the heck, Days? You know, fix this. Yeah, I mean, I think it must be so tempting when you have the idea for a new character and and decide to stunt cast and you think it's going to be a slam dunk and then it just really doesn't work. You know, Mm -hmm. oftentimes I think it doesn't matter how good an actor is, you know, it really has to be the right mix. You know, your Beth Eller's example is is perfect in that respect because Beth is an amazing actress, but you do so much. And then you have kind of a whole other grouping of characters, ones that come on and maybe weren't meant to go the distance, but wind up being an integral part of the storytelling. I think our guest today could fall into that category. It's Robert Scott Wilson, who plays Ben on Days of Our Lives. Now, he came to Days in 2014 and went from, like, romancing Abigail to strangling people with neckties. You would think that that would have been the end of Ben and Robert's run once the character was arrested, but Days not only managed to redeem him, but place him in a pairing with Victoria Conafal's Sierra, that has become the hugest fan favorite. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember we had the two of them as guests on our podcast early on in the Sin Romance. And I'm sure, Mara, you will recall uh, how angry some people on Twitter seem to be about the fact that we kept mentioning that Ben was a serial killer. I do indeed. But it it really was so fun to chat with the two of them. Mm -hmm. But that said, I'm totally looking forward to getting a little deeper into Rob's backstory and overall experience in Salem. Well, me too. So let's catch up with him and find out what he has been up to. Hi, Rob. Hey, what's going on? Not too much. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm uh, sitting on a little cliff in Gloucester, Massachusetts right now, so I can't complain. Just trying to, trying to make the best of the time. Sounds great. Um, how have the past months been for you? Uh, the past months have been slow, um, but okay. I mean, I'm trying to make the, the best of it. Um, I've been back East since the 4th of July, um, outside of Boston, enjoying some time with friends and family and, uh, you know, really, really trying to, you know, r- not rush too, too much just because of, you know, for the first time ever, like there's been no rush to get back to Los Angeles for the first time for me in about 10 years. Uh, so I'm just taking my time in Massachusetts, enjoying the, the, the humidity and <laughs> playing paintball, playing paintball with my old friends back home and, um, you know, seeing the family. So trying to make the best of it. Um, have you had any fan encounters while you're there? Yeah, for sure. Random. Um, it's weird because I've, it doesn't happen in Los Angeles like that. Very few and far between, but out here it tends to happen a lot more, uh, mainly like in Boston and the North end where you're on foot a lot, um, throughout the dinner and stuff like that. I, I feel like it's happened a few times, but um, it's been funny when they talk about it recently because they they get red in the face when they talk about the past couple of weeks. Because um, I feel like, you know, that feeling when everybody's seen you in your underwear and like the worst situation ever. So that's that's what that's what I've been dealing with back home with like, you know, the demographic out here. So. 
<laughs> but it's cool. It's cool. It's all good. <gasps> well, the fact that you're like kind of in your hometown is a great place to like jump into your life story. So when you were growing up in Massachusetts, did you like always have an itch to become an actor? No, no. I mean, growing up, I always loved films and I loved, I loved like certain characters, like wholeheartedly. I kind of just took on little pieces of all of them. I did, I never had like older brothers or sisters. So I kind of reached for inspiration in other places. And, um, I always loved film, but I was, I was an athlete. I played sports growing up, um, central Massachusetts, the, the theater and the drama clubs were really weren't something that was of high interest to kids my age at that time. But I remember watching plays in school and everything when we'd go and I was always super intrigued by it and I always wanted to do it, but I never really gave myself the, you know, the opportunity to, to go try to make it happen. Acting for me started a little bit later in life. I was about 21, 22, uh, 2008. And, um, yeah, started started in Massachusetts though. Worked on a couple of films, got very lucky through, you know, uh, my agencies out here. I went to a couple of open casting calls, these giant, giant audition rooms. I was super green and I, uh, I had just done a, you know, some small things, some small print campaigns and stuff like that out here in Massachusetts, Massachusetts at that time. Um, so getting into TV and film was was brand new and got very blessed right off the bat. Got to work with some uh, some really incredible people, Anne Hathaway and uh, you know Kate Hudson on Bride Wars and, and Bruce Willis on The Surrogate. Seeing these big names come to a, you know small parts of Massachusetts to film and kind of get a piece of that whole process, I, I was I blacked out and you know loved the, the the style of filmmaking and it was just uh, really eye opening to me. Now you also wound up in New York for a bit. What took you there? Um, yeah, right out of, right out of high school, actually, I moved to New York. I, um, had all the intentions to go to, to go to college here in Boston. And for some reason, this, <laughs> these couple people I knew in New York, this opportunity presented itself to me in this finance world of, of kind of some boiler room, wall street type, type, type thing. And, um, I, I gave it a dice roll. I did it for a little bit and it kind of helped me open up my shell a little bit. It wasn't really for me doing the whole, um, you know, finances and things like that, but um, the sales aspect of it kind of opened me up a bit and um, also, you know, started dabbling in my, in like my agencies in New York. So I, I garnished some great relationships there, which was cool. Then I came back to, to mass for about a year before I moved to Los Angeles. So you were at, uh, modeling rather at that point. How did that enter your world? At the very beginning, um, I actually, I had some friends and this girl I had dated at the time were kind of like, kind of poking at me. They're like, you need to go find a modeling agency. You need to, you need to do this or do that. And I'm like, I'm not that. like, I'm, that's not for me. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, long story short, uh, I, I listened to them and I, I met with a couple agencies and, you know, kind of started that whole process in the very small market that's Boston. And then, um, dabbled a little bit in New York, but I, I didn't really have a desire to, to like have a, try to make a career in, in doing like modeling and print work and stuff like that. It was more so just a and I have a, a side income while I was, you know, studying acting and, and going to class for acting school and getting my feet off the ground with that. So, you know, I do, I do believe it helped me in, in, in some ways though, you know, I know other actors in the, in, the, in the history and kind of where my neck of the woods is, you know, Mark did that. Mark was in his underwear for friggin' a minute too, you know? So if Mark, if Marky Mark can make it out of the, out of the, the zone, I think I could too. So yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of a, in a nutshell, that's what it was. I, I got, I had friends that told me I, I should go get into that world of agencies and try to get a, a representation out here. And, and then I really, I really enjoyed myself and I had a great time and, um, 
you know, like I said, once I got bit by the acting bug, that kind of took over. The rest is history. You know, I, I just I did what I had to do and start the hustle, man. You know, I can't believe it. I've been in Los Angeles now for 10 years. It's crazy. Well, how'd you wind up there? Uh, well, I was going to be moving back to New York really to, to just go to, you know, go to class and, and study and do the New York actor lifestyle. But long story short, after bouncing back and forth from there, you know, for auditions for, um, from Boston, I really wasn't finding a place that I liked and nothing was really lining itself up. I looked at apartments and I looked at certain areas, you know, other than like having some friends in the area, it just wasn't lining up for me personally. And I had a couple people in LA that I knew that I reached out to and I was like, you know, maybe, maybe I should just try it because I had only been to LA once. They flew me out for that film, um, the surrogates with Bruce Willis. It was his Disney production and Jonathan Mostow, I met with the director and he picked me out of this room of like people that have kind of been in the circuit of TV and film in Boston for a long time. And I was a very new and very green and he ended up picking me. So when I flew out to LA, I really loved it, but I didn't really have the desire to try to go there first. I wanted to go to New York and try to work a bit before I moved to LA. So to make that long story short, um, I looked at a few places and a couple classes in, in LA and everything connected right away for me. And it was almost seamless. And I was like, you know, I felt like that was kind of God being like, you know what, go there first or, you know, go there and do your thing. And, and for you, this might be your path. And I feel like it's been really good to me. You know, I've had a lot of ups and downs, but I believe overall LA has been really, really good to me. Well, I have to imagine that when you moved to LA, you did not anticipate becoming the first male model on the price is right. You have to tell us what that casting process was like. Oh man. Um, yeah, no, I totally didn't. And yeah, it's just, again, it's something I'm super grateful for that kind of, uh, opened up doors for me, but I had no, no intention or ever had a thought of being the first male model on the prices. Right. But, um, (laughs) I remember when I, I actually remember when I first got the audition or the casting rather, it came from my, um, my agent at the time for print. And it was through Ford. I was at Ford LA and they had messaged me about it. And they said, you know, it's going to be this massive call. It's on the radio all over the country. And they're doing this and they're flying some, or some people are flying themselves in after, but we got you pre-screened, but you still got to go through everything. So they like you, but you still got to go through it all. You got to go through the big cattle call. You got to go do it, do it all. And I was like, man, I don't know if this is for me. I don't, I already don't like the feeling of this, but I knew ultimately, I mean, what a great, what a great job to get. And then that process started. All the people showed up. They narrowed it down to 26 people and they shot a five episode, I believe, um, web series about the audition process of becoming the first male model, The Price is Right. Even at the beginning of that process, I actually was there with one of my friends and we were kind of like, what are we doing? Like, this is just, (laughs) we're just being exploited. Like, we're just standing here shirtless in this like firing range position with all these people. And, uh, you know, it just was, I don't know, but I found a lot of fun in it. You know, we were like, you know, kind of got to show ourselves a little bit more than you do in like a normal modeling gig. You actually get to be speaking. We're mic'd up. We get to kind of interact with Drew Carey, who's an improv genius. So like at that point, I'd already done a bunch of improv classes and I've been in an acting class and I was like, let's just try to let loose a little bit instead of trying to do what everybody else is doing. And fast forward, they narrowed it down to, you know, 10, then five and then three. And then America had a vote on it. And then at that point, I, I definitely wanted to win. And then America voted for me to win. And yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> it was awesome. Oh, so what was it like being on the side of the prices right? Did you ever like spin the wheel? Like <laughs> Oh yeah, hell yeah, of course, of course. Had to. Yeah. Played played Plinko, dropped the puck. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, it was awesome. Drew Drew Carey, that that, that whole production are, are really great people, but Drew is is really an awesome guy. Um, got to have awesome trips. He he took a bunch all the all all of us at the time. 
um, the models at the time and, and, and our announcer, and we, we all got to go on a couple of amazing trips. So we got to have some awesome experiences and garnish some like great friendships out of it. And, um, you know, it opened up the door to me to the, to the eyes of daytime. And, um, you know, without that, maybe I wouldn't have had the same opportunity, um, or at that time that I, that I did get. So, you know, I know it all happens for a reason. I'm, I'm super grateful to, uh, for the price to right people and CBS daytime. They were really good to me. So it was uh, a year later that you landed your first daytime role or any time really since it was online uh, playing right, right, right. on the online reboot of All My Children. So was that yes. the first time you had gone out for a soap? Was it the first time? I think at that point I may have read for another one. I can't remember at that time. It was, a while. It was 2012. It may have been. And I remember I, I was filming Price and I got this audition to do a self-tape and it was out of New York. And, um, I still think, you know, big time Allison Goodman, who, who took a, took a chance on me, um, who was asking for the self tape. And I remember I was so tired and I was like, you know what, let's just shoot it. We'll send it off and see what happens. And, uh, you know, we shot the tape, poured a cup of coffee. I, I shot it on my old iPhone, leaned it up against my bathroom counter. It was really this like ghetto rig thing that I wouldn't suggest everybody do, but desperate times, desperate measures. I shot the scene. It was like a cafeteria scene. I'll never forget or a cafe scene rather. And, um, you know, just, I felt good with it. I was like, this would be a cool role. And, you know, I remember I had family that loved all my children and loved days and Y&R. I grew up watching with my grandma. So like, like soap operas, I could definitely see myself, uh, you know, possibly getting into. And, um, it went well. She wanted to see more. I ended up Skyping with her and did a couple more reads and got flown out, started shooting out in, uh, Stanford, Connecticut, shot a, shot out a bunch of episodes, fell in love with it. It was like getting tossed into the lion's den because the first day, I'll never forget, I had 27 pages. That was the number. And at 27 pages for me at that point, I was like, I was shook. I was like, man, I'm a lead on this show. I know, I know, like, I got to do well. I'm working with this legend. Jill Larson played my mom. She's such an incredible giving actress. And I feel like she is a, a big part of, you know, the success my, you know, Pete Cortland had on, on AMC for that small amount of time was because working with her, she just gives you so much. She's brilliant. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it made, it made my start a lot easier. Got to work with great people. And you have the distinction of opening the entire show. Like the first show yeah. was you in the car. Oh, I can't be- you remember that, Steph? Sure. Oh, yeah. oh, I love you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you for remembering. Dude, that was so fun. I'll never forget that. That was like one of the funnest days. <clears throat> they rented me a um, little blue Porsche. I got to take it down a closed off street in a small town right by Mystic Pizza in Connecticut, like a beautiful area of Connecticut. I just got to open up this Porsche with a big old camera rig on it, and rip it around town. It was just so awesome, man. I was like, man, I just got to keep working hard. And hopefully, you know, I get small moments like this that I can really enjoy myself and, and uh, you know, create something really, really that people will remember. You know, that's the goal, you know, create something that they remember when it's all over, you know, and now it's all over and you remember the opening scene. So that's cool. There you go. <laughs> well, Mara and I, and we've talked about this so many times on the podcast with, with various guests who were part of that production um, or One Life to Live. And we just feel like it was too soon. Like if it was done now, it oh would probably God. be very successful. Seriously. Like, think about that. We're the first ones. Like we were trying to teach people how to log into a Hulu account. Right. Now people don't use cable. They only use Hulu and Netflix. You know, we, we unfortunately, but fortunately had an opportunity to do it. And man, it was done good. We had a great, we yeah. had a great crew and everything. It's just, you know, shit went south, unfortunately. But, um, I mean, they, they did care. Our sets were awesome. They took good care of the actors. You know, it wasn't as, as good as being on network, no matter what it was not, but for an experience going 
you know, first guys through the wall, so to speak, to bring a soap opera onto a, a streaming platform, you know, you're going to get bloody. Um, so we went to work, we, we hustled, we shot so much. And, you know, that experience, if it weren't for that, um, I ultimately wouldn't have found, you know, my home, which, which became days, you know, my, my offer came for, for Ben, um, through my work on all my children. So I am forever, forever grateful to Allison Goodman and Sonia Blanjardo, who I get to still work with. They were producing and casting and, and Ginger Smith is one of the like sweetest women ever. Um, all, you know, gave me the thumbs up and trusted me with that, which ultimately, uh, opened the door to me, uh, at days and that, you know, really changed things. So your yeah, uh, Sal Stowers was also part of the All My Children cast. Do you remember That's right. of her course. back in the day as well? Of course. Yeah, I remember I remember our first day getting the walkthrough and I remember meeting Sal and meeting the whole cast and I was like, man, we got some just great energy, great people. And um, yeah, it's it's no question that she's still working because she's a great, great person. You know, she, she's she's a great actress and a, and, a, and a great person. And, you know, people that are, that have that type of energy and that vibe, I feel like they just, they will always land on their feet. So it's nice to see uh, her working and working together. You know, mm-hmm. she's arrested my ass quite a few times, so it's fun. <laughs> always good to be arrested by a friend. Yeah. yeah at least it's Sal. <laughs> right. Um, so were you disappointed when the plug was pulled so soon? Um, absolutely. Absolutely. And you, you know, it, it kind of dragged on, you know, kind of an inside scoop was that we were told that we were going to be kept going back, you know, from like, I think it was like at that point, May or June, we were talking about in, you know, this month and this month and this month. And then all of a sudden we're six months in and we're like, yeah, this isn't happening. This lawsuit with one life to live and the, the ABC one life to live lawsuit, we got shelved, um, by default because it's under the same, you know, production canopy. We would go five weeks on as all my children, we'd go back to, you know, LA and wherever the rest of the cast was from and one life to live would come on for five weeks. That was the schedule. Um, so when they got shelved, we knew we were, you know, inadvertently going to be tossed up there as well. So, um, yeah, it it sucked, man. But again, I I knew I was ready to, to keep it moving. You know, I just needed to keep, keep working and, um, you know, got to, got to do some cool little projects in the meantime, did a, did a cool, did a cool pilot right in between all my children and, um, and, uh, and days, it was a great pilot, Christopher Maloney and Rachel Harris. And, uh, it's called surviving Jack got two episodes on there. Thought that was going to go. And that, and then all the new Fox pilots got canceled. All the comedy ones, there was three of us. We all got canceled and we all were like disappointed again. And it's like, you know, you just learn to understand what this industry is and, and, and to enjoy the moments while you get them. Uh, when you can work, work your ass off. And when you're not working, you, you still got to work your ass off. You know? And it just kind of, it trained me, it trained me, you know, cause you get so invested and then your heart gets broken and you got to kind of dust yourself off and go back to war, you know, but, uh, it's, it's the high of it all, you know, it's that chase. And I don't know, I don't, I don't know anything else. This is, this is, uh, it's all I do. I love it. I really do. So let's talk about you coming aboard days in 2014. Like, had you been going out for soap parts at that time? Um, and just what do you remember about getting cast as Ben? Yeah, I, th- I think at that point, there was a couple things that came my way, but I, we we're kind of dragging our feet because we weren't sure what was happening with all my children. So the ones that were coming up, we were, you know, looking at them. But what happened with Days, to be honest, the role came up. And I think I was still under some type of a, a deal with all my children when they first were casting it, or there was something going on and it went by, uh, fast forward a few months. I stayed in LA, it was like deep into December and I was ready to get back to, to, to here to Massachusetts for, for Christmas. And, 
um, I got put on hold for this uh, Tina Fey pilot and I changed my flight and I was like, all right, this is, this felt good. I'm changing my flight. That got canceled. So I'm like, no matter what, I'm going home for Christmas. I get this email about the Days of Our Lives audition and I told my agent at the time, I said, listen, I, I want to do this real bad, but I, I got to get out of here. You know, I've, I just had like, I had my heart broken in a way again because I was told I was testing for this project and it fell through and they weren't going to test it till after the holidays. And, you know, I'm, I'm dragging out my time in LA and missing time with family at the holidays. And I was like, I'm just going to go. They're like, all right, well, just know that they really want to see you. So let me talk to them. And they agreed to put myself on tape. So I was like, perfect. Landed in Boston, started looking over the sides. Um, long, long scenes. I remember was, I was, you know, working it and I was like, all right, I'm going to put this on tape and like, whatever it was that Monday, say it was that Friday. I got the news. I'm going to put it on tape Monday and send it off. Monday rolls around. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to shoot it today. I tell my agent, I wait, I wait, I shoot it. That night rolls around. Um, I didn't even get it sent off. I don't even know if they viewed it yet. And they're like, Hey, we just got the offer. We got a call from Greg Ming. One of the producers from all my children works with, and the directors also work with the crew at days and they all vouch for you. And they just gave you a two year offer. And I was just like, I was like, Oh my God. Like I, you know, we work our ass off just to get auditions. So to get an offer, it was so great. And they're like, and the best part is Marnie is from Boston. So you're going to meet her on your Christmas, uh, (laughs) out out, out at her like family homestead. I was like, wow, amazing. (laughs) So we did that. I met Marnie who's Marnie is the best. Marnie is the best. And I got to meet her and her family up in North Andover. Um, and it was just, it was really just an awesome moment, you know? To, to get this great, great opportunity and, and to have it happen in my own backyard. And, you know, it's crazy, man. It just happens when you least expect it. Right. So it was really awesome. Really awesome. Okay. So now you start working as Ben. And so what did you think at the beginning? Like, who was this guy going to be? Honestly, to be completely honest with you, when I first got the offer, they weren't clear to me what the role was because the, the scenes were fake, you know, the fake names on there. So uh, speaking with my manager at the time, she gave me the impression it was Chad DeMera. Because Chad Demera had gone off the show right before I came on. They're like, oh, it's, you're going to be perfect for that. You're going to be Chad Demera. So when I got there, I expected about this character, Chad Demera. And I sit down across from Marnie. She hands me a stack of scripts. She goes, well, I see why they picked you. We, you know, I think you're, you know, you're great. You seem like a great guy. And I got to tell you, usually without my okay, they don't just give an offer. But I'm, I'm glad they did. And she was super complimentary. And she hands me the stack. And I open up the first page. And it says, Ben. And I was like, who is Ben? <laughs> And they're like, it's actually a recast. Um, they cast it and they, they, you know, they found this guy that they had liked at the time, but they want to go a different direction. And um, it's just, you know, it's not going to work out with this, with this guy. And we, we wanted to open it up. And I was like, okay, great. So I started doing my work and I didn't feel the need to, to try to pick up where anybody left off. It kind of gave me the, the opportunity to start clean with him. But there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of like meaty writing for him. It's kind of just this part, I was thrown into this like love triangle that wasn't even the other person wasn't even there at the time. And I don't know, it was, it was, um, was kind of generic, you know, he was a good guy in town, quiet guy, mysterious. We didn't know much about him, about him. We knew he had a rocky past with his father and his sister. We knew that he had been on the run and he was just a mysterious guy. So there was this huge blank canvas that we didn't dive into enough previously. And also my own fault for not creating maybe strong enough backstory for this guy to come in with that weight, but it worked because we didn't know anything about him. So we could get away with him kind of just being a quiet guy in town. Um, and it almost worked better in hindsight because as things come out about him, <laughs> it makes us look at the beginning, like, wow, he was being quiet for a reason. Yeah. He was kind of staying under the radar because right. he had this crazy past. Um, 
So, yeah. And then, you know, they wrote for him. They started writing for him. And, you know, the rest is history, man. We turned, we turned heel. Got to go through a lot of traumatic things. And I feel like that's what makes every character in any situation great is to just be able to go through trauma with them and have traumatic experiences with them because we can all relate in one facet or another to, to, to going through trauma and trying to get ourselves and pick ourselves up out of it. So that's, then things changed after like 2015, 16, like a year and a half. And ironically, when I was about to leave, things started to change and they really started writing really great stuff for me. Even if it was being, um, you know, the bad guy coming in, kind of throwing gas on the fire type scenarios, they were always really great. And I got to work with awesome people. Yeah. And then there we are in 2017, they bring me back for this possible redemption in two and a half years. I can't even believe it's gone by that fast. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Right. It's crazy. But so far, so good. <laughs> Trying to enjoy the journey. Well, tell me when you were working really heavily in the Chad Abigail storyline, what was it like for you getting to work so closely with Billy Flynn and Kate Mancy? Amazing. I mean, I was there. We got to test when they brought in um, the group of guys to test for the, the Chad Demera character. Uh, Mancy and myself both picked Billy. We both liked Billy out of the group they had at that time. And, um, as time went on, I mean, yeah, our stuff, we were head to head. We hated each other, but you know, Ben and Chad, that was, that was the, that was the fight, man. Um, that's what it was all about. But Billy and Rob, we were just, we just broke out, you know, <laughs> we broke out, became good friends. And, you know, when I left the show, we'd, we'd hang out all the time, regardless. And we keep in touch all the time. We were, I was supposed to see him as soon as we went back. Him and, and his wife were going to have a, a party, but with everything going on with the with COVID again, they can't do it, you know, but you know, whether we're working together or not, we became really great friends. And, uh, and Manzi's just great actress, man. We got to put up some awesome stuff together and I'm really mm-hmm. proud of it. And, uh, I'm proud of her. And, and, you know, she won an Emmy with, with some of the stuff with her, like burning Ben and that whole series of, uh, Abigail unwinding. Um, Manzi did a great job of it and I got to you know be a part of the whole process with her and, um, just really, really, really great, really great stuff. For a captive audience. Ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> captive audience. <laughs> Yeah, to say the least. Nice. Ben Ben's been a captive audience for a while. Yeah. As well. I find my, I found myself in some predicaments, man. I burned, blown up, stabbed, shot, you name it, dude. Put it's I've been killed. I've great. literally, I've no, literally not been a mark on you. Not a mark on me. Legs are fine. Legs just legs are fine. Oh, Got burned burned to a crisp, lit on fire with kerosene, legs are fine. Not a scar on them. Yeah. Yep. Unbelievable. Yours couldn't be in your underwear, you know, and not have any scars or anything. Um, yeah, no shit. Uh, you also have got to work with some pretty great actors as your family members. James Reed as Clyde, Chriselle Stouse as Jordan. Tell us about working with them. James Reed, man, I, I vouch for this guy anytime I possibly can because we are lucky to have him. He is a decorated, experienced actor for many years in a lot of different genres. He's never done daytime. Um, he came on a days and just killed it. You know, he plays one of the worst dudes out there, but man, he embodies the character. I say it every time, you know, physically, not just the accent, but physically, the way he walks, the way he holds himself, the way he carries his, 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 the weight of his head and everything in the, in the scenes. It's completely different than when James Reed walks into a room, you know, James Reed walks into a room. It's James Reed. Clyde walks into a room and this guy's completely different and amazing. Um, and Chriselle, I love her. She's amazing. She's one of the sweetest, sweetest people. And, um, you know, she had my back right off the bat when I got there. She was one of the only people I worked with when I was very new. Um, and her being my sister, she took on the role. You know, she was amazing and, and very sweet. And, um, man, I hope they hope they could find a way to bring both of them back soon. Yeah. Jordan might be a little tougher than Clyde, but... <laughs> well, who knows? <laughs> Do we really know that Jordan's dead? It. 
Hey, who knows, man? Who knows? Salem we're talking about. It's nine. Exactly. Nine lives, man. I say they bring her back. I do, too. Have you watched Selling Sunset? Chriselle's like the star of the internet right now. I know. I saw. I saw. I'm proud. Hey, listen, man. God bless her. God bless her. It's uh, it's no easy task to be put putting yourself in you know the, the spotlight like that in uh the sense of reality rather than we have a character to to be behind. Um, so to air your stuff out and have it have the cameras rolling, it's it's tough, man. So I'm proud of her. You know, she's a confident girl and uh, she's doing really well and she's got a huge following now. She's always had a strong following, but now it's going to be through the roof. And um, you know, don't don't forget us over in Salem. We're still here. <laughs> She, she should have gone to you for tips since you have this reality show experience for the search for prices right modeling. You could have given her all sorts of Oh uh, man, I don't know. That's a little different. That was like, I don't know. That's a little different. I can I think I'd go to her for some pointers. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So when the show did obviously take a very dark turn with Ben, what was your reaction when you found out that he was the necktie killer? Uh, first I was shocked, you know, I was like, man, uh, that this could be potentially the end. But uh, very few minutes later, I realized, you know what, when I read it, I was like, no, no, this is an opportunity to, to really show what I can do with it. And, and it, and it opened a door for me, you know, it got, they finally started writing for me and showing these other, you know, sides of Ben and more layers to him. Um, as dark as they were, you know, we, I think we got to go to the bottom sometimes and really go deep. And, um, I felt like they gave me an opportunity to do that. And, um, it ultimately, um, you know, kind of kicked the door much more open in Salem for him afterwards. So I'm um, super grateful. Right. Now, for most people, it would have been the end. Like, you really yeah. don't come back from that, you know? I, mean, uh, I know. Like I'm normal, so grateful. You know, in normal yeah, circumstances. Yeah, 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 exactly. So were you surprised when they called for you to come back? Super surprised. I mean, at the beginning, not so much because um, Albert had said he was like, man, listen, we're going to find a way to keep you around. And, you know, Jen, everybody was so complimentary and they were calling me when it ended and like, we're going to figure out a way to get you back. And this, I was like, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. So every time I came back, it was kind of like, oh, this was great. You know, I'm coming back as this bad guy, this hallucination of this, this dude who just absolutely lost it and blacked out with all these terrible things. And he was, like I said, throwing gas on the fire type scenarios. And I was cool with it. Um, but when they, they really started writing and, and they were like, you know, we want to try to, you know, redeem him, but keep that edge and always question him. You know, that's, that's a layered good character now. So it's like, yeah, I'm down. So if, if they didn't write it as well as they, they did, I, I wouldn't be here, but, um, you know, Ron Carlovati and that whole team, they killed it and they, they took good care of Ben and, and carefully did it because it's no easy task. How many people we got to win over to like, believe this guy is like a romantic lead after the shit he's done. You know, that's on them. I just had to, I just had to do my work, but the, right. the producers and the writers greenlit it and, and made it happen. And the rest is history. I'm super, super grateful. Well, you do have a very big part in it. So you're, it's nice that yeah. you give the credit well, elsewhere, you. but if well, thank you, know, you. and it, with a different actor, <laughs> could have had a very different ending. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. I try to, uh, just try to be ready, you know, be prepared and, and do the best work I can. And, in the long run, I think it'll, it'll, it'll always pay off. So, I mean, yeah. was it flattering to you that they saw enough of value in the character of Ben to, as you said, really have to take a lot of time yeah. and careful planning? Oh, yeah. And I mean, uh, the whole way I was like, listen, I'm, I just trust the process. You know, I'll pl I'm going to do my thing with it. If you need to reel me in on certain things or if you want me to go harder on others, like, let me know. You know, I'm, that's what I pride myself on. I want to be able to take their notes and understand their, their direction because if everybody's on the same page, we can create something um, 
I think pretty special. And I think that's what happened with this whole wild redemption storyline and, and sin and Ben and Sierra and everything, it, you know, it took on a whole nother layer and we see this guy as human again. And it was, uh, it was awesome, man. It was, a, it was a team effort and we, we did, I think we did really well. Well, let's talk about sin. Um, Mara and I were just saying how when you and Victoria were on our podcast and we had the audacity to question the rooting value of a serial killer. <laughs> Special messages on Twitter and oh, comments about man. that. But I told you guys, they're they're wild, man. The sin army is no joke. I have to I have to tread lightly. I have to tread lightly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we weren't criticizing. It's sort of just. It's not the most likely path. I get it. I get, so, I get it. I get it. So, well, first of all, tell us um, about first meeting Victoria and what you remember about her and working with her in the beginning. Awesome. I mean, it was, you know, we both kind of were like, we never worked together before. The characters never really crossed paths like that, especially since they aged Sierra and made her like an actual adult and everything. It was, it was like, okay, what are we getting into? I just showed up to work and wanted to just do a good job, you know? And, um, she, I met her and she was, you know, amazing. She came super prepared and, um, she, you know, she told me her backstory a little bit being, you know, a young New York actor. And, um, that's something I always understood and their work ethic and the way they work is very similar to, to how I, you know, studied out here with like kind of New York actors that transplanted out here. And, we just kicked it off and, and connected, but we didn't think anything of it. You know, we didn't expect for it to, to catch the way it did. And right away, the producers were like coming up to us and directors were, you know, they were talking to us about certain things. And um, yeah, we just saw how hands-on they became with it. And then when it aired, it was like, she didn't even wake up from a coma yet. And people were already on board. It was wild, you know? Um, she was like knocked out on the side of the road. And we played those scenes the first few days in the cabin. Um, and the fans were already like, with it. They were like, yep, Ben and Sierra, great. So yeah, it was just awesome. So tell us what that was like for you because Days, you know, shoots far enough in in advance that it, you know, you've been working together for a while before the stuff started to air. So when it hit so big, so fast, was that rewarding? Was it surprising? Super, super rewarding. Super rewarding. Yeah, we're wicked surprised. And it, it, all the way to now, like, picked up heat over time. Like, it's it's wild. Like, it's just, I just, I, was, I remember reaching out to Ron at one point. I was like, Hey man, all this stuff is great. Like I, I, these fans are going crazy. Like, and I don't talk to Ron like that. I just, I messaged him one time, like, I don't know, a few months in, I was like, it's crazy how, how this thing like really caught fire. And he was like, yeah, we're just going to try to keep the momentum and sure as hell, like it worked and they're just, they're killing it. So, you know, we're just going to keep doing our thing and see where it took us. And now we got married and now I'm blown up and got tortured and now I'm trying to possibly hurt her. And, you know, we're just living the Salem no dream. <laughs> just living the Salem dream. We did it, man. We did it. Um, do you have any personal favorite moments from the Ben Sierra courtship? I mean, so many. I mean, probably her saving him from the lethal injection when I was already two shots in out of three. That was pretty memorable. Um, you know, rescuing her from the cabin. And definitely the the one that's coming up that'll start airing in about, I don't know, probably two, three weeks. Yeah. That. <laughs> the stuff we shot right at the end is some of my favorite. All this stuff that we've been shooting and that's airing the stuff with with Eve and Cassie, that was all this stuff was incredible. Like the wedding was beautiful. And I I, I told them that. I told them, you know, Albert and, and I told Ron, I was like, hey, listen, this was beautiful. And I I'm really proud of the work everybody got to do. But um the stuff after was so crazy that it was just nice to have a different set and to do something absolutely insane. You know, mm -hmm. that was fun. And they really went all out for it too. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. They, they took good care of us.
So I'm, I'm really grateful. Well, uh, obviously the Sin fans, you know, that was appointment television, that wedding. Uh, so what are your like standout behind the scenes memories of the shooting of the wedding itself? Was that the first um, wedding you've shot also? Yeah, it's my first TV wedding ever, you know, uh, yeah, and and you know Ben doesn't ben, Ben's not really on the invite list and too many weddings, so he doesn't even get to he doesn't even get to do that. He's um, crashed but a few. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? I think he's crashed a few. He's crashed a few, right? And those are my memorable, you know, wedding moments. So last time I was in that church, I was breaking up a double wedding with like iconic <laughs> characters. Um, so yeah, this one was a little different. It was really fun, and um, yeah, it, it was great. I think probably my most memorable experience was. Uh, you know, right after delivering vows, Ben delivering his vows to Sierra, um, having all my peers kind of, you know, really give me a nice, you know, clap and yell. And then it was awesome. That was, that was, that was very rewarding, you know, to, to see it from the people you, you work with and they do it themselves and they watch a hundred pages of it themselves. And for them to, to really like, you know, compliment your work is, is really, really sweet. It was awesome. Well, as we know, their happiness was short-lived. Bomb went off. Then Ben was whisked yeah. away by Eve. So yeah. what did you think when you got the scripts and you're like, oh, I'm going to be tied up, practically naked, and getting burned? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I was like, I'm down for all of it, and I get it, cool. But then I was like, but why am I naked? <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, we're going to go for that, like, uh, there's this moment in one of the James Bond movies uh, where he's getting tortured, this vicious torture scene, and he's like stripped down naked. And I was like, okay, I got it. All right, it's justified for me. If Bond can do it, Ben can do it. <laughs> well, it's too bad that you're not in good shape or anything because. Yeah. Uh, oh man. You're you're just you're just asking for it, Rob. No, jeez. Rob, I I'll have try, to tell you to that. Uh, so, Barbara, did I just Instagram posted? You know the now iconic image of you naked in the chair uh, as like the photo of the day. And a general hospital star DM'd me and was like, what is going on here? And I was like, oh, <laughs> let me explain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, we're making, we're, we're, we're keeping it going in Salem. We're not messing around. We're not messing around. This, this ain't uh, this ain't general hospital. <laughs> yeah. They might have people brainwashed in the lab, but they have clothes on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Y'all ain't ready to get in your skivvies. <laughs> but tell us about working with Cassie DePaiva uh, in those those scenes. Oh, she's she's a rock star, man, a legend in uh, in our genre. So like her coming back every time we get to work together, she's true professional. We get to rehearse as much as we can. She loves to rehearse, and so do I. And um, you know, she just goes as hard as she can. You know, she goes as hard as she can. And I respect that. You know, she doesn't just step into the office and shoot her scenes she she works her ass off everybody does you know but her in particular um yeah i just i, I really respect her so we got to shoot some pretty awesome stuff it was like the least least i can do is you know reciprocate and go as deep as i can in my scenes because i know she's going as hard as she can in hers now victoria has announced her exit from days on a permanent basis or a full-time basis uh what was yeah. your reaction when she gave you the news well, you know, she had mentioned it to me a while back and I was like, listen, I support you either way. I know I just talked about this the other day. I was like, I support you either way, 100%, whatever it is you want to do. Because I get it. You want to do other things. But, um, you know, hopefully hopefully she'll come back or maybe there'll be like something like reoccurring for her or whatever because I don't I don't think they're just going to recast it. But, you know, I, I, I respect her. I got nothing but love for her and I know she'll be able to do other things. You know, and if she doesn't get anything good right off the bat, can come on back to Salem and we'll keep doing our thing. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, no, I'm proud of her. I, I think she'll do well for sure. 
So what are you like hoping to see in the future for Ben and Sierra, whether it's, you know, Victoria coming back for visits or, you know, even a possible recast, but what yeah. do you hope that holds for them? Or just well, for I think, Ben? I think, yeah, yeah, no, I think, I think for the two of them, I think they'll always have, they're always going to have each other. I feel like that's, that could be his soulmate. You know, I believe that. So like, let's see what happens. I don't know. I think Ben, I think the next step for Ben, I don't, and again, I don't know where this story is going. I truly don't, but I mean, it would be, he's only been able to better himself when he's had Sierra. So if there's ever a time for personal growth for him to see where he truly stands in his healing process, it's to see how he can stand on one leg without his, you know, his, his other partner in this. Mm -hmm. So that to me would be a challenge and good, which carries into every moment him getting a coffee without Sierra, him trying to get a job without his girl, him holding down a normal life as an adult functioning uh, could be a task by itself. But, you know, I think of course we're going to have to go through a lot of, a lot of torment. He's going to miss his love of his life. So we'll see. Right. Now you're heading back to work soon. So first of all, what is it going to be like to even be so close from tape to air? I feel like I'm crazy. So Honestly, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy about that part, but it's going to be very different. I got on a call with Albert last week and we got a lot of changes going on. So um, it's going to be interesting, man, but I am excited to get back to work regardless. And I'm sure the fans are too. Um, anything yeah. you can tease for the fans about what's coming up? <sighs> Tragedy and triumph, baby. Tra tra tragedy and triumph. Just trust the process. Trust the process, and just know I'm I'm proud of it. I wouldn't be showing up, and I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be as excited to go to work as I am if uh, if it weren't in good hands. So trust the process of our producers and our writers, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep we're gonna keep you guys uh, very happy. So just trust the process. Perfect. Well, we thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you, guys. Thank you. you. And we look forward to seeing you back in Salem, even though you guys have not had, you know, interrupted broadcasting. It'll still be yeah, nice yeah, yeah. to see the story and know that it's coming. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait to get back. So come visit when this is all, all this craziness is over. Definitely. All right. Safe travels right, to you. All right. Go Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> see you guys. Okay, Thank you. Well, thank you. Bye guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Robert Scott Wilson for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.